0: Welcome, everybody, to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. All right, let's, and many of y'all are wondering why I have a snake on the stick up here. Uh, Just to let you know, this is a prop that I actually have constructed for the first time I ever preached this, did this kind of a teaching. And I keep this in my office. And many, many times people come to my office and go, that is the most God-awful thing. Why do you have that thing? I would not want to see this every day. But God, by the end of this lesson, you'll understand why I keep this in my office. And why every time I walk in that office, I look at it and I think, okay, I need to remember what God is teaching us through this physical example. That's why I have this done. It is a a brass serpent on a stick. But let's talk about it. First of all, we're in John. And this is the words of Jesus. So if you're wondering how this ties to the New Testament and how this ties to me and how it ties to Jesus, look what Jesus said. Do we not have John 3? No John 3. Good. Get on your phone, please. And look up John 3. I'm in verse 14 and 15. I apologize. I, 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 I did not put this on the slide. Words of Jesus. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. What I want you to get out of this is, this is John 3. Jesus is the crucified for almost 20 chapters later. But Jesus says in John three, just like Moses lifted up the bronze serpent on a pole in the wilderness, so I must be lifted up. I, so it, it, I'm sure this hit them so crazy, so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. So Jesus references. This thing that Moses did. And he says, I am just like that. This is the way it works. The bronze snake on a pole. And just like they lifted this up, and I mean they held it high so that anybody could see it. Just like that, Jesus said, I got to be lifted up on a pole myself. So that anybody that believes in me will have eternal life. So tonight, this is honestly one of my very first. Favorite biblical examples. Uh, this this snake on the pole comes to be called. By uh, the time we get to Kings, now again, this is a study in Kings. By the time we get to Second Kings, the snake on the pole is named Nehushtan. Say Nehushtan. Nehushtan. It's a fun word to say, just because of the hush part. Uh, Nehushtan. Only real nerds like me and Christian high school refugees like my wife have ever even heard that word. But it's a really great example in two ways. One of the prongs of this lesson is very, very, very good. And one of the prongs of this lesson at the end is very, very, very bad. And so we're going to take the good first and then we'll talk about the bad. So let's jump on in and see. The very first time this thing shows up in Scripture, the Israelites are famous for one thing. What do the Israelites usually do? If you were going to say, what would they be known for? What were the Israelites good at? Every, ter- every time the church page you to, they start complaining. 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 Amen? Yeah. Aren't you glad we're nothing like them? <laughs> Aren't you glad we are not negative? We're just never like them. They are the worst complainers. Every time they face a look at an adversity, the first thing that happens is they forget. The miraculous deliverance from slavery—they forget the Red Sea opening up—and they murmur and complain not just against God, but against God's representative, against God's man Moses. Amen. I mean, believe me, guys. I, one of my pastor friends posted the greatest Facebook quote last week, and I just laughed. It, it was—it said, "Most pastors when they graduate from Bible school." walk out believing they're going to change the world. Right up to the point they try try to change the bulletin. And then they go, I'm changing. God, it it is a crazy thing that people, the moment we get a little bit of pushback, not only do people grumble and complain against God, but they will immediately identify with that guy. That guy that's leading us, Moses. So now, go with me to Numbers 21. They were fighting, winning, taking the first steps toward getting to the promised land. But it wasn't going as fast as they wanted it to go. And yet again, they told Moses, why'd you bring us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There ain't no food. There ain't no water. We detest this miserable food. Now, guys, I'm telling you. Be careful when you start grumbling against God's miraculous provision for your life. Because every morning, they didn't have to till the soil. They didn't have to farm. They didn't have to... The bread fell out of the sky every morning. And you know what they said? We detest this miserable food. We hate this. Just be careful before you start complaining against God's leading, God's direction, and God's provision. So look what happens. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes. I love the Hebrew word for poisonous. The Hebrew po- word for poisonous is fiery. Because that's what it felt like when they bit you. It felt like you were on fire. It's kind of like uh, wasp venom to the max. It was fiery snakes. The word is Hebrew for poisonous. The Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. And many were bitten and many died. And the people came to Moses. I love these people. They came to Moses. They said, we've sinned by speaking out against the Lord and against you. Please, talk to the Lord for us. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said, here's your remedy for poisonous snake bite. Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. And anybody that's bitten will live if they just look at the snake upon the pole. Anybody bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Uh, the Bible goes on to say, make it out of bronze. Moses made a snake out of bronze, not gold, bronze, and attached it to a pole. Then anybody that was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. That's why it's a pole. It's because they they had it in one spot. It, it was only one bronze snake on a the pole. There weren't... It, guys, we're talking about almost, what, a million and a half people. But they had to get where they could see that one bronze snake on a pole. So they took, and they held it up as high as they could. And you didn't have to touch it. You, didn't, you just had to get where you could see the thing. Now I don't know about y'all. But this is the craziest thing. Anybody that gets snake bit can look at the wrong snake on the pole if they live. If they look at it, they'll live. And every once in a while, God comes up with a plan that on the surface looks really weird. And let's be honest, really dumb. I'm no doctor, but how many of y'all know that's the dumbest cure for snake bite I've ever seen? It's not, there ain't no suck out to poison, there ain't no. <laughs> There there no anti-venom right now? The other thing is, y'all, this would have taken a modicum of faith. Because if I was snake-bitten, and I was feeling it, and Moses said, God, just look, look right there. Okay, I'm going to need a little more than that, Moses. I'm going to need you to know, do something, dear, that cannot be enough to save me. You know what What else will surprise you? This is a spectacular picture of Jesus. A wonderful picture of Jesus. Yeah, let me quickly explain it, so keep up. Here we go, and, and I'm going to do this quickly, because honestly, this should itself be two or three sermons. There's a lot of great information here. First, the judgment that came, the sticks running through the place, biting the people who had all sinned, the judgment that came was no respecter of persons.
1: The judgment didn't go,
0: oh, you're, you got money, I won't bite you. you. You got standing, I won't bite you. You're from a good family. See, your parents, they were, they were priests. I won't bite you. And how many of y'all know judgment in this case did everybody? Right. Poisonous snakes came through the crowd and got everybody. And so the judgment came on everybody. snakes killed rich and poor, old and young, pretty and ugly. All who had sinned were under judgment. The cure was God's idea. Moses said, we're in trouble. We need help. We can't help ourselves. And the cure was unreasonable, unexpected, and completely God's idea. Now, again, I'm talking about Jesus. This cure made no sense to anybody. And there was no way that it worked in the natural there is no way looking at a bronze snake on a stick would cure snake bite unless there was a supernatural element to it. It had to be something more than just a bronze snake on a pole. And in the preacher, get it, get it, guys, you have to have faith in the God who came up with this plan. And you've got to have faith in the preacher, Moses, who told you about God's plan. You know what? You could go out here and tell folks a half mile away there's this snake on a pole. If you'll come with me and look at the snake, you'll be healed. But you know what? You could have had some people out there half mile away put the snake on a pole. But if they didn't have enough faith in the preacher to say, "Well, I'm gonna go look at the snake," they died out there. If they didn't get where they could see the snake. And guys, I'm just telling you, there's so much Jesus in this. There is no element of works or deserving in this cure. <coughs> there's nothing for these guys to do, right? There was no get holy, get clean, get that. And there was no prayer. Huh? Nope. No prayer, no commitment. It was if you look, you will live. No deserving it. You either believed and looked or you didn't. The cure worked regardless of how badly you've been bitten. People that were bitten 20 times got just as cured as people that were bitten once. So the cure works for everybody regardless of how good or bad they are. Are you seeing the Jesus in this? Are you keeping up and looking for Jesus? You could have been an innocent little girl or you could have been a prostitute. The cure is universal. But Pastor, I'm still having trouble with this. It's a snake and it's bronze. It's not. How is this Jesus? It's not even a golden snake. It's an impure metal. Gold was a pure metal. Gold talked about holiness. Bronze was an impure metal. Bronze always talked about there being some sin in the mix. If this is Jesus, why make it out of bronze? Shouldn't it have been gold? And it's a snake. It's not a lamb. It's not a lion. Not even an eagle. I, I know about snakes. There ain't no such thing as a good one. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? I'm sorry y'all may have snakes at home. God bless you. That's just weird. I'm going to tell you straight up. Then The only kind of snake that's a good snake is a dead snake. Amen. And that's why God created hoes. Take that snake head off. I do. There are no good snakes. Snakes in the Garden of Eden. Nope, that ain't a good snake. In, the, in Revelation 20, the Bible calls the devil that snake of old. At the beginning and at the end of the Bible, the snakes are evil. And being put up on a pole means that you were under a curse. Deuteronomy 21. Anybody hung up on a pole is considered to be a curse by God. So how in the world is a bronze, snake, or pole Jesus? Let's hit it quick and go. First, it's God's idea. Just like Jesus, it's God's idea. They were unable to save themselves. The bronze serpent was God's God's means of salvation for the Israelites who were bitten by snakes in the wilderness. We are unable to save ourselves. Jesus Christ coming... Dying, being put up on a pole for us was God's idea. We didn't ask God, would you please send your son? Would you please do it this way? Before I was ever born, this was God's idea for my salvation. And it's God's means. Jesus being crucified on a pole was God's means of salvation for everybody who's been bitten by the deadly venom of sin in the wilderness of this fallen world. Next. There was one cure for snakebite. This is God's only way. Jesus didn't say, I am a way to heaven. He said, I am the way. Yes, the truth, the life. There is no, this is not one of many ways you could have lived. This was the only way. The bronze serpent was God's only means of salvation. And Jesus Christ crucified is God's only means of salvation For anybody, Jew, Gentile, good, bad, young, old, rich, for everybody comes the same way through Jesus. And get it, guys, through the cross of Jesus. It's not just the snake. It wasn't just make a snake, but put the snake up on a stick. The cross is God's only method of saving anybody. Next is God's payment. The bronze serpent represented the atonement and payment for the wrath of God. Anybody that looked to the serpent would know that the wrath of God was turned away. Guys, if you had think this through, you're in a crowd of people. All of a sudden, all these snakes just start coming down. I'm talking worse than snakes on a plane. Y'all shouldn't have <laughs> seen that. If you did, it's worse. <clears throat> snakes start coming up amongst everybody. And everybody... In the crowd, saw somebody die. Everybody in the bunch who are scrambling to try to get to the bronze snake on a pole, they all knew that this was the wrath of God coming against their sin. Anybody that looked at the serpent would know that God's wrath was being turned away, that the only way they did so... Guys, when you looked at the bronze serpent, and all of a sudden, you didn't die. You didn't get sick. You didn't go into convulsions. You didn't start foaming at the mouth. You didn't die. You go. This is a miracle. Because I was bitten too. I had a a snake bite. And I just saw my friend who had a snake bite die. Same snakes. If, If I don't die, I know this is God's mercy meeting me at this point. Righteousness and peace together. Next, is God's reminder. It's a snake because it's meant to remind the Israelites of the cause of their sin. It was meant to carry their minds back to the Garden of Eden where Satan Satan came in the form of a serpent to tempt their first parents. The punishment for the sin brought into the world through the temptation of that serpent was laid on Jesus, the penalty for our sin. Next, is God's final word when it comes to the serpent in the wilderness, the healing was dependent upon God's word. Moses prayed for the people and said, we got to have help. And God said, if you will do this, you will live. Guys, it works that exact same way with Jesus, right? You come, you are in need of a savior. You have no other hope. And the only hope any of us have is put your faith in what God said, which is, if you will confess your sins, turn from your wicked way, and turn to Him, then everybody who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. We put our faith in God's Word. It's because God told us that looking to Jesus will save us. Next, it demanded faith. As the boys and Israelites were called to believe God's words. The bronze serpent was the object of the command. You had to believe it was going to do some good to make your way to the snake. Next, the snake is lifted up. The serpent was lifted up before the Israelites in the middle of the camp so that anybody who was bitten could look and be healed. Jesus was lifted up first on the cross, then in his resurrection, then in his ascension, then in our worship, get it, and finally in the preaching of the gospel. Guys, you understand, everything we do on Sunday morning is still lifting up Jesus. Jesus was lifted up on the cross, and he's lifted up in his resurrection. He is lifted up in his ascension, but it doesn't end there. He is then lifted up in the preaching of the word of God. And the only thing that saves anybody in 2023 is is belief in God's word and looking to the cross where Jesus is lifted up. So it's a beautiful picture of it. Enough. The snake was enough. Now, I don't know about y'all, but it would have tried my faith a little bit. If I was snake dead and I was like, well, I they told me if I could get here and just look, but you know what? If I was snake bed and I was in, in worried about dying, I'd have been like, okay, good, is somebody gonna tend to this wound? Somebody gonna suck the poison out of somebody to do something about it. Maybe we could look and do something else. And let me ask you this, has anybody ever been saved and by Tuesday you thought you should have done something more? By Tuesday, the devil comes and said, all you did was, you, I mean, you walked an aisle, but you prayed a prayer. How does that save you? How can that be enough? All you did was look to Jesus. That it should be more than that. Almost everybody I know that has come to Jesus is sometime in that first week, they start to think, how can that be enough? How could it be enough that I just pray a prayer and ask Jesus to save me? Seem like I ought to have to pay for my sins more. I ought to have to. Guys, this is the whole concept of penance. There are Christians who believe that I got to pay. I got to do, I got to say 15 prayers. Or I got to to go to church 75 times. Or I got got to do something else. And the point of this example is, no, you look. And when you look, that's enough. And it's done. And then you put your faith in Jesus and that's enough. Next, on the surface, it looks foolish. Amen? Right. I mean it's a dumb it's a dumb thing. Make uh, uh, you know what the cure for your snake bite's gonna be? Make it a metal snake and stick him on the pole and hold that up. And he all look at the snake, that'll be good. That'll it is on the surface foolish. And what does the New Testament say? For the preaching of the cross is to those that are perishing foolishness. But to those of us that are being saved, it is the very wisdom of God. See, it is on the surface a dumb thing. I know the Bible makes it sound better by saying foolish. But guys, what is foolish with us is the very power of God unto salvation. Amen. And then the last, for anybody, the bronze serpent was held up for salvation from the wrath of God and the deadly consequences of sin. It was salvation for anybody. There were no prerequisites. Whosoever will. And you know what? Jesus functions exactly the same way. There are no pre- The Jews in the early church said, well, you got to be Jewish before you come to Jesus. And Jesus made a point in the book of Acts. We'll get there. But he makes a point of, no, there are no prerequisites. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So it it, it is truly, the cure is available to everybody. But hear me say this, not everybody that was snake bit got healed. Only the ones who looked to the bronze serpent. If you did not look, you died with that plague not everybody believed Moses. If you read this story in detail, not everybody believed the word of Moses and not everybody came to where the snake was. And if you didn't come, you were dead as a hammer. Only those who looked. And now, here's the kicker to how this can be a picture of Jesus. Look at what 2 Corinthians says. He, God, made him Jesus. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus becomes sin. Not so that I can do righteous, right stuff. No, it's not so I can be Joe Super Christian. Not so my behaviors are perfect. No, he transforms himself into a snake. He transforms himself into sin. This is the craziest concept, and it's really, really hard for me to get my head around it. But the Bible is very specific. It says, 2 Corinthians, He becomes sin so that I can be made righteousness. It's not that that all my behaviors are perfect. They're not. But He becomes sin so I can become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, there's the first half. There's the first part. There's the good part of, boy, this is a great thing. And how many of you know, before we get to the second half, the first time they made this, when they were dying, this was God's answer. Amen? Amen. You see it clearly, right? That this was, and this was the only answer, right? Right. Now, whose idea was the snake? God. God's idea. Who worked through the snake? God. God. God healed people using this thing. So this was the right answer for that time. Amen? It was the thing. But you know what? People are people. So now let's go to Kings. And I want you to see this. Talking about King Hezekiah was a good king. Followed after the ways of David. Meaning he followed after God. And Hezekiah removed the pagan shrines. Hezekiah smashed the sacred pillars and he cut down the asherah poles. This is all idol worship, idol worship, idol worship. And look here, we are 400 years later. And Hezekiah broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. And the bronze serpent was now called Nehushtim. So get it, guys. Here's the point in Kings. They took something that was God and then made an idol out of the thing. God never said sacrifice to the bronze serpent, right? God never said keep it. God never said, "When well, I want you, well, once y'all get done with the snake bite, then keep this thing and carry it up in front of the people." And now, now hear me say this: they kept it for four hundred years. And I would imagine, for at least the first hundred years, every time they walked by the snake on the stick, they told their kids, "Yeah, this was something." See, what was happening was we were all dying. And God made, told us to make this thing. And it was a miracle. God saved us through that thing. That bronze snake on the stick. That It's special because God worked through it and saved us. So it was special. But by the time you get 400 years in, it had gone from being special To it is an idol. It was something that... So it became an idol about 400 years later. 300 years after that. Now guys, this is craziness. Is when Hezekiah comes. We're right at 700 years later when Hezekiah destroys Now... It's hard for me to get my head around that because the United States has only been in existence for, what, 246, 7 years? Something like that. We're talking 700 years later they kept this thing. And now they're worshiping the snake. They're offering sacrifices to the snake. They put the snake alongside the pagan shrines and the sacred pillars and the Asherah poles. And it's an idol. And without a doubt... Here, let me ask you these questions. Originally, Was it God's provision? Yes. yes. Originally. Was it God's idea? Originally. Yes. And was it God's choice for them? Yes. Was it a good thing? Originally. Yes. Did it save everybody that looked to it? Yes. But when it took the place of God, then it had to be destroyed. The problem with personal Nehushtans. The problem with... Alright, let's get this into 2023. I'll tell you what, Pastor. I was saved when I was 13. This is my personal story. I was 13 years old, and it was what is it, 1974. I'm in grade school, and I went to a James Robinson crusade, and when I got saved, see, they had the celebration choir. And it was in the Mobile Municipal Auditorium and it was a big gathering. And that man gave that altar call and I swore I ran to the front and I got saved that way. And that's what they were doing the night I got saved. Now, hear me say this. God used that big celebration choir. He used that big uh, stadium kind of outreach. And that's how God got to me In 1974. But you know what my tendency is. As a human being. Well see Pastor. That's how God works. See God uses celebration. Why? And God uses big stadium events. What we need to do is have some big stadium event Because that's how I got saved. See what what happened with me. The way I saw it happen. See that's how God does stuff. And guys. Everybody everybody camps out at their own personal ministry. And however it was for you, I know people who, well, Pastor, I tell you, I came about in the Jesus movement and there was a small group in a house and one guy with long hair had a guitar and we were singing. And that's what we need to do more of, Pastor. We need to do that. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That, That probably really was God in 1976 when you got saved. It probably was. But to say that's the way God... Hear me say this, guys. This right here is not God's answer to snake bite. It was the way God did it one time. If you read all of Scripture, He never does anything like this again. There is never a plague, a a disease, a, a judgment never anything else that he does that the answer is just make a thing and look at it. He doesn't do it that way again. Was it the way he did it? Yes. Is it the way he always does it? No. And that's the point of a Nehushta is because he did it away doesn't mean he always will do it away. Your greatest success can become your greatest limitation. Just as soon as you start thinking, that's how God works. No, no, no. Let's be real clear, guys. This is how God worked. But hear me say it. The salvation of Israel was God. It was never the snake. The salvation of Israel was faith in God's word. It was never the bronze or the pole. It was always follow what He says. Then, whatever it is, whatever however dumb it might look to you, the salvation, the healing, the restoration of people who had been snake bit came from their faith in God. It didn't come from their faith in a bronze piece of it's guys, this only ever was a bronze piece of metal stuck up on a pole. It's all it ever was. But you've got to look past the thing to get to the God who really is your healer, your salvation. And your greatest, so I'm telling you, my I've been in ministry for 42 years and The entire time I've been in ministry, everybody, well, Pastor, I tell you what, if we do it this way, because that's the way it worked for me. That's the way it worked for me. I tell you, we just, we got to do it this way. We got to, and I, and guys, I have lived long enough to see a lot of moves of God. I mean, I have. Were they real? Were they genuine? Yes. God was in it at that time. But you know what we did in church in the '80s? It doesn't reach people in 2023. Now it might be a great memory for me. It really might be. It might be a great faith reminder for me. But it is—it is not following God when you start going. I tell you, whatever we do now, we got to keep this snake with us. We got the snake is going to lead us. We're gonna always have this snake, no? Nope. God used the snake once, and when He was done with it, He was done with it. He never came up again. And in fact, when they made an idol out of it, God told Hezekiah, "It's time for you to burn that thing." And if I did, they not grind it up? Didn't they burn it? And I think they ground it up, burnt it, and sprinkled it on water and made people drink it because it was so bitter just to get them past don't look to this. Your greatest success. Now, let me give you an example of this straight out of the Bible. How many of y'all know probably out of all the Old Testament events that there ever were, the one God is the proudest of is opening the Red Sea. How many of y'all know you read Psalms, you read Isaiah, you read Jeremiah, you read any book, God will say, and I opened up the Red Sea. It's like, we know you're proud of that and it is a great, great mirror. Great mirror. So look at Isaiah. Look what Isaiah says. This is God Himself speaking. I am the Lord, and here we go, who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses, and I pulled them in, and then I covered them with water and killed them all. Drew them beneath the waves, and every one of them drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle grid. So God says, look here, guys, I did a big thing. And everybody reads that and goes, Yes, amen. I how many of them? The cross from the Red Sea it was a spectacular thing. And it's made at least two great movies. <laughs> it's a great thing. But look at the scripture reference here. Isaiah 43, 16 through 17. See it right down there on the bottom? Now let's look at the next verse. But forget all that. I'm sorry. God says... I'm the one that opened up that red sea and they walked through a dry ground and everything that had kept them enslaved. For 400 years, I drowned in the sea and I snuffed them out like a candle wick. And I I did this spectacular thing. But look, the very next verse. Y'all, forget that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, it has already begun. King James, it has sprung up. Do you not see it? You know what keeps us from seeing it? Looking backwards at the Red Sea. That's what keeps you from seeing what's out ahead. Is being completely enamored with looking at what's behind you. Do you not see it? No, 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 no. I made, get it guys, get it, get it. I made a pathway through the water. It's what he says in the two previous verses. Look at this verse. Now I'm fixing to carve you a roadway through the wilderness. In the first two verses, water was your problem. It's what blocked your way. It's what stood in your way. And I had to part the water. But now, get it? I'm going to make a road through the wilderness and the thing that was your problem will become your provision. Because you're going to head to the wilderness and what you're going to need in the wilderness, I'm going to make water. I'm going to make rivers in the dry wilderness, in the dry wasteland. The very thing, that, and if you're hung up on Red Sea, you're going to think, well, see, my problem's water. Well, yes, dear heart, in the wilderness your problem is water, but in a completely different way. What was your barrier now becomes your provision. And if you don't move forward when God moves forward, you will never get out of Egypt. You're going to be stuck right there at the Red Sea. If you don't ever move forward past the snake on a pole, you're going to make an idol out of the snake on the pole to the point that God says you have to destroy that thing. Now, one quick natural example. In the year 2000, the year 2000, Blockbuster Video, anybody remember Blockbuster? Anybody have a card? I have a card. <laughs> anybody ever go on a Friday night and go look at the store? <laughs> blockbuster Video, 23 years ago, they had a meeting, 2000, November, And this young set of boys came in and met with the executives of Blockbuster. And you know what? They offered them the chance to buy Netflix for $50 million. And Blockbuster said, we don't want no Netflix. We own the video market. We own the entertainment market. We own the entertainment world. Everybody has a Blockbuster card. Everybody comes to us for their movies. And the people who were just starting Netflix were like, we, we need money, we need, we, and, and well, you guys have the distribution if we can get together. But see, the difference is, Blockbuster was in the video market. Netflix was in the entertainment business. Two different things. Blockbuster stayed with, well, this is the way we've always done it. This is it's the way it works. And up to the year 2000, it was the way it worked. But by hanging on to the way it always worked, they signed their own death warrant. It's true. Because the guys, the, in fact, the guys that started Netflix tell the story about this meeting, the blockbuster executives laughed at them. And told oh, me, I did get out. I mean, just laughed at them. And so we get out. And it was not five years before the thing started turning. And when it turned, how many of y'all know when it turned, it turned quick? It turned fast. And there's not a single block. There was one blockbuster left somewhere in Washington State, but it closed. And it finally became just a place you could rent out and go and spend the night. They had a staff kitchen and and had bathrooms and they brought in beds. And it was a novelty. The last blockbuster on the world you could go and spend the night and watch movies and make popcorn. And it was a novelty. But guys, by not moving forward into the next thing. So the last point of this message and what we've got to see. Because guys, hear me say this. 12 Assembly is moving forward. And what we're moving into, none of us have seen. Where we're headed, None of us have done church like that. None of us know what what we're doing. But we could stay married to the way it's always been. And we'll hold on to this. And guys, we'll go for a blockbuster. Don't idolize the method. Look to God. That's what God was trying to say with that, that Isaiah scripture. I'm the God who opened up the Red Sea. I'm the God who did that incredible miracle. You won't on dry ground. I'm the God who buried the Egyptians in the water. But forget that and start looking forward to that. Follow God. Don't follow the method. Don't follow where we have been. The ways we have done it. Because the ways we have done it were just that. That was the way we did it. But it's not the way we do it now. Well, Pastor, I, just, I like church in 1982. Come to the Heritage Service. I mean that with my whole heart. I love the Heritage Service. I love the Heritage Service because it, it, there's a part of it that just makes me comfortable. Y'all, it, it means something to me to sing those songs and do church that way. and to, It really does have meaning for me. But for me to say we got to do it like that for everybody now, you're not reading 2023 that way. So you don't idolize any method. And in Acts 10, I'm not going to preach this, but I want you to see this. The Bible says that God gave Simon Peter this, this same vision three times. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I can be taught. God doesn't have to tell me three times. Or does he? (laughs) How many of y'all know God will tell you more than once? But look at what. A voice came to the The Bible says this big sheep. Simon Peter had a vision. And he's up on the top of his house and a big sheep comes down. And there's all these kind of unclean animals. Jews can't eat them. I mean, there's bacon and there's shrimp and there's scallops and and all kinds of stuff. They were frog legs. Stuff they were not allowed to eat. And it's delicious. And the voice comes to Peter and says, Get up, Peter. Rise and eat. And Peter tells God. Ain't no way that's happening. Peter tells God. By no means, Lord. And I love what Simon Peter tells God because it's funny to me. I don't know about you, God, but I've never done anything that wasn't holy. Who are you talking to? Who are, are you explaining what's holy and what's unholy? What's clean and what's unclean? And the voice comes to him and says, look here, son. What God has called clean, don't you call it unclean. Don't you could no longer consider it unholy. And then he had another vision and the same thing happened again. Get up. Kill you some pig. Get some pork chop. Amen. Hey, Peter said, I can't have Pope John because God, I've been holy my whole life. I believe in following that law. And God was trying to tell Simon Peter, you can follow the law until the law itself becomes a nehushtan. It becomes an idol in your life. I'm doing a new thing. And the third time, and you know what happens at the very end of the vision the third time? The moment he has that vision three times, knock at the door. And the Bible says, there's a guy who's not Jewish, who says, we want to hear about how to get saved. We want to hear about how to come to God. And we've heard that we can come to God through Jesus. And they say you're not Jewish, are you? And he said, no, we're not Jewish. But we still want to come to God through Jesus. And God tells Peter, go with the man. And I love the story because the Bible says Peter, almost against his will, goes with the man. And he's like, all right, I'll preach to these people. And he doesn't even get finished with the message. I mean he is two thirds of the way through the message and he ain't even given the offer call. And they get say, Give the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues, and Peter's like And Peter comes back to the home church in Jerusalem and says, It's not my fault. I didn't sin. I didn't do it. I I don't know what God's doing. And God's like, I tried to tell you three times, son. Don't be married. To the method that has always worked. Because it never was the method we were following. It was always God. It was always Jesus we were following. Let's stand up and say, Father, I thank you. And the thing I thank you for the most is that while you use methods, you are faithful to talk to us yourself. God, while you may employ a method, while you may do something really big, God, you are not a God of formulas or a God of methods, but you are a God who talks to us. You're a God who, thank God, leads us. God, we are so thankful that you don't just have formulas and don't just have a manual and that's the way it works. Just do that. But God, you're a Father who talks to us, who leads us. So help us, God. Help us, God. And God, like Simon Peter, three times, help us, God to get out of the way we think it works, and simply to follow you in the way you want it to work now. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.